if they were told, I'll give you something to cry about. Don't cry about that. You're strong. Or, oh my gosh, great job. Keep doing that and only validating certain emotions. We're already laying the foundation that certain emotions are good and certain emotions don't ever come to me with that. I can't hold that for you. It starts to inform our belief systems of, okay, I need to act in a certain way to get mom, dad, caregiver, whatever's approval, but then these emotions aren't allowed. All right, everyone, welcome to Heal Thyself, another amazing show that we got for you today. Thank you for taking the time out of your day, my people. What, what, what an amazing show. I can't wait to drop this look. How many of you out there are struggling with emotional expression, your emotional capacity? Right? How many of you have fear with showing emotions? And more importantly, how many parents out there are raising children and concerned with if we're raising them emotionally robust, emotionally ready for the world? Well, Dr. Nita is coming in here and she's gonna drop the emotional bombs on us. How are we as parents do our best at setting our children up for learning what it means to emotionally process in a healthy way? What are the hacks that we can do in our life right now? And you don't have to be a parent, I'm not, but a show like this helps you prepare to guide, to know what are the things that we can do in our home early on and how important is it, these interventions for our children's overall mental and long-term physical health. Really important stuff, all about emotions, and she's an awesome expert. She has a new book coming out. Knowledge Bomb, how many of you have taken Adderall? How many of you are on Adderall currently? We're gonna go in on everything about Adderall. What is it, how does it work, how safe is it, how many people are using it, what are the side effects, and more importantly, Adderall withdrawal is a real thing. A lot of people are having many issues being addicted to Adderall. So I'm gonna go in with all of the good stuff, tell you what are the things that are on the root causes of ADHD, so maybe you don't have to go to the Adderall and you can get to the root. It's gonna be an amazing show. We put a lot of work, a lot of love into this one. So get ready to listen to this episode of Deal Thyself. All right, everyone, guess what? I have a special guest and she came out here all the way from Texas to sit right on this table. We got a lot of mutual friends, and finally, I have someone who's speaking about the information that I'm most passionate about, emotions. You know that energy emotion? Emotions. She's got an amazing book out now. It's called That Suck, Now What? She's the podcaster, the number one podcaster in the world. Now, she's an awesome podcaster of the Brave Table podcast, serial entrepreneur, international speaker. I mean, I love her on the mic any given time because she's so captivating and really genuine and authentic about what is true for her. And here we are with Dr. Nita. I tried to give you the best intro I ever could. Oh my gosh, so good. You saw how I got up off the couch. I started letting that energy flow I know, flow I love me. that. That's like, that's a New York energy. That's the New York energy. And it's and you know the Chicago that. energy in me. I feel like there's so much of a vibe. We're, yeah. we're, we're the city folk over here. We really saying. are. I love that. We really are. And it's been two long years. Too long years since we spoke last, but now you're here, really. Now we're gonna speak about the stuff and get pretty deep. Yeah. Now, you got your book. We're gonna talk a little bit about that because I wanna know all about the ins and outs. Mm. But before we go there, I wanna talk about the emotions. But I wanna talk about how our parents mm. influence our emotions as we get older. What happens when we're young that begins to set the platform, the structure for how we approach life when we're older? Man, you know, it goes back to, 
how their parents taught them how to experience and even express or not to express emotions, right? If they were told, I'll give you something to cry about. Don't cry about that. You're strong. Or, oh my gosh, great job. Keep doing that and only validating certain emotions. We're already laying the foundation that certain emotions are good and certain emotions don't ever come to me with that. I can't hold that for you. That is not welcome in this container. So then we start to grow up and our upbringing then enforces us as little babies. And I've got two little ones at home. You've met one of them. Mm -hmm. And it starts to inform our belief systems of, okay, I need to act in a certain way to get mom, dad, caregiver, whatever's approval. But then these emotions aren't allowed. Mm -hmm. So then we grow up getting in relationships, getting in their most vulnerable interpersonal relationships, interpersonal human dynamics, thinking, okay, these emotions aren't okay. My anger is not okay. Well, I'm going to suppress it. I'm going to suppress it. And I'm going to suppress it. I'm going to bypass it. I'm going to shove it under a rug. I'm going to keep going and or numb or distract or do whatever vice or escape so that I don't feel those difficult feelings or whatever we were kind of ingrained and taught when we were young. You know, skincare isn't just about looking good, right? A lot of us want to look good, but it's not just about looking good. It's about nurturing your skin and being well-balanced from the inside out. And, you know, this world is flooded with a bunch of harsh chemicals that are really insulting our skin, our barrier. And you want something truly effective that is safe. Alitura is one of the best in the game. If you never heard of Alitura, you just think of, you might've seen some uh, black bottles with gold writing on it. It's one of the best. And they're always at health events and people are loving them. And they're quality. Alitura Naturals has crafted a serum that is not only safe, but also incredibly effective. Listen, a lot of you ask me where I get my glow from. This is a huge part of the equation. Their gold serum isn't just another skincare product. It's a testament to the power of natural healing and a commitment to holistic health. It uses organic ingredients like jojoba, olive, rosehip oils, and the gold serum is made organically with plant-derived vitamin A, not synthetic stuff, not that nasty stuff that you're getting in a lot of these over-the-counter products. GHKCU and marine collagen to revitalize your skin. Alitura Naturals has been using the best ingredients in their products for years. They've been pioneering the path for what truly transformed skin should be. So if you're ready to take control of your skin health and experience the pinnacle of natural beauty, I highly recommend checking out Alituria Naturals. For a limited time, you, the Heal Thyself listener, will enjoy the exclusive discount, just the Heal Thyself discount, only for you. That's 20% off of this gold serum. Go to alitura.com and use the code DRG for 20% off. That's A-L-I-T-U-R-A.com and get that 20% discount. It's amazing stuff. I use it every night before bed and I'm telling you, I'm on fire with my skin in a good way. Check it out. All right, let's face it. With all the toxins we're exposed to nowadays with processed foods, pollutants, and even stress, our poor livers have been working overtime. If you've been feeling sluggish, bloated, or just overall rundown, it may be time to give your hardworking liver some extra love and support. That is where Organifi's Liver Detox comes in. This convenient little capsule contains a powerhouse blend of clinically studied superfoods. This convenient little capsule contains a powerhouse blend of clinically studied superfood ingredients specifically designed to remove excess toxins and improve digestion, promote healthier energy levels, and just overall liver health. Now, one of the key ingredients is artichoke leaf extract, which has been clinically proven to help detoxify the liver and digestive tract. Then you got the all-star liver protector. You heard of it, milk thistle, an herb that has been used for centuries to give your liver a big old hug. That's not all. 
Organifi's liver detox also contains dandelion root, one of my favorite ones of all time, which is loaded with vitamins and minerals to promote healthy liver function and digestion. And finally, Trafalia, an ancient Ayurvedic formula packed with antioxidants that have been traditionally used as a powerful liver tonic, one of my favorite ones too. So whether you're dealing with sluggish digestion, low energy, or just want to give your body's main detox engine a little extra love, Organifi's Liver Detox has you are back. Just take one to three capsules at any point during the day to start supporting your liver's natural detox pathways. All of us need to be supporting our liver. If you want to experience the energy boosting, liver supporting effects of this fantastic formula, head to OrganifiShop.com and use the code DRG for 20% off. That is O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I shop.com slash DRG. What is the consequence or what, what happens now that we're older and we come to this place? How does that show up in things like relationships or work or business? Oh, yes. We have a lot of sucky moments. I mean, the whole title of my book, That Sucked, Now What? But I say that, I say that, and in, in this mantra kind of came up in this evolution of this book. This is my fourth book. However, I honestly didn't really grapple with that until I actually entered motherhood, where I was then faced with so many of these emotions that I never really attuned with myself. And I wasn't okay. I didn't realize I wasn't okay with anger. I mean, I expressed it, of course, in different aspects of my life, but it it then shows up if we're suppressing it so much, it'll show up in in the people that we pick to teach us about life, to teach us about hardship, to teach us about loving ourselves. Because, and I know even for myself, just context, 11 years before I got into uh, or actually it, was, it would have been eight years before I got into the season of motherhood or seven years, I would be in the most toxic and emotionally abusive relationship to teach me exactly about the feelings and the emotions that I had suppressed for so long. So it would show up in, in the people that we attract, right, to teach us about ourselves, to actually say, hey, what parts of us are we actually not thinking that we're worthy enough to receive love, that we're diminishing ourselves, that we're suppressing our own voice to pacify, to please, because we can't say, actually, I'm not going to tolerate this. Mm -hmm. And where do we then diminish our light? And I mean, this goes into even the jobs that we pick or the bosses that we attract, the people in our life that kind of bully us in whatever way. It could be friends. It could be even family members. And it's basically that same cycle or that same pattern will show up in a mirror of a person that's just meant to bring that side of us out so that we can actually express. We can mm -hmm. actually feel the feeling that was so discomforting that we've been wanting to suppress and push down for so long. And in my case, it came up so much. It was bursting out at the seams because I was, I, I was afraid. I was afraid that I would be talked about because at this point in my life, I was this like big cosmetic dentist, had mm -hmm. this amazing practice, yet here I am scared that somebody was going to find out that I was a fraud, that my life wasn't so glamorous from the outside, that it wasn't so perfect like my teeth were <laughs> because I was, I was really in this toxic, abusive relationship. 
And if we peel back the layers of that, well, it actually started because I had lost my mom, my dad, and my brother all before I was 19. Mm. So here I am entering my 20s thinking, okay, I'm, I'm going to be strong because that's what I was told as a kid. I'm going to be strong. I'm going to be strong. I'm going to, you know, Nita coming from an immigrant background, Filipino, dad, uh, Filipino mom, Indian dad. This is where you're resilient, Nita, and, and you've got to be strong for your younger brother. And so I get into my 20s thinking that and, of course, bypassing all the feelings and thinking, all right, what was I grown up with? Educational drive and success and all of this overachievement so I can overcompensate and not feel, but I can chase something else. And we all have these vices. For me, it was chasing outwardly success and making sure no one would know the cracks in the foundation, that I could probably create and paint this facade that everything is going okay. Because it was, until it actually wasn't, until I would attract that partner that would poke holes in that foundation. So much so that I actually had to go through a reckoning with myself to say, okay, what does strength even mean? Because I couldn't hold it in anymore. And I had to, I mean, I remember vividly, it was New Year's Eve, you know, December 31st, 2011, where I finally broke down, shattered into a million pieces. When I talk about resilience in this book, because this book is about resilience, you know, I was taught resiliency meant strength, but I didn't really mean or feel or understand what that really meant, the Latin root of the word, which is resiliere, which is to bounce. And I didn't really know what two bounce meant until you actually take a rubber ball versus a glass and you let the glass go and it shatters like I did on December 31st. For me, it was, all right, this rubber ball, what's different? Well, the fact that it's, it's bouncy, it's got a little give to it. It's got this agility. It's got this flexibility. And that was when I could melt into the pain that I had tried to put in a back corner, in a closet, under a bed, under a carpet for so many years. And I think for so many of us, these are the coping mechanisms that we have. And we have so many tools. I mean, you know this first and foremost, to escape the feels and to bypass. And I knew that this outward success of my high-profile dental practice, not even 30, reaching all these pinnacles of success traditionally, but there was such a hollow version of myself that I had yet to explore mm -hmm. because I was in survival mode. And I think a lot of us, especially coming from immigrant backgrounds, we are in that survival mode growing up. Mm -hmm. All the time, right? Because that's the input we're given by our tribe. The people we learn from, what it is to be a man or woman very fast. So yeah. we, and, I, and that's, I, you know, I work with a lot of clients and it's definitely the, the ones who have immigrant parents who have a lot of difficulty in coming out of that sympathetic survival mode always and always, even when they've built a good life for themselves. Oh, yeah. They're safe, they're good, and they're secure. Mm -hmm. But it comes back, one thing when you're talking about this compensation, I think you 
compensated with the most, one of the most dangerous ones. Mm -hmm. And I believe overworking, overachievement is the most dangerous because not only are you doing it and experiencing it and you're allowed to suppress your feelings, but we are celebrated. You're given awards. Oh yeah, you're validated. You're validated. People are saying you're the best and you go, I'm the best. And you just do it over and over, right? That's, That's a really tough one. So I applaud you for having that breakdown. Now, Right? How many people applaud breakdowns? But yeah. it's, it was essential for your reconforming, right? The, 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 the reconfiguring of those that glass that broke into this new version of you that is much more powerful and resilient. But how there's people viewing and listening, they're going, okay, I see what you're saying. Mm. I got some things. I feel like I'm holding in emotion and I mm. feel like I'm compensating. And I actually feel like it's getting more dramatic as I get older. Yeah. Wow. Like each partner I get or every friend that I get or every instance or moment. How do we, what's the first step in being like, okay, wait, there's a pattern here. Mm. Now what do I do? Mm. What's the first step that people can do right now? Yeah. So in the book, I have the first framework that I talk about. Well, it's your bounce factor. We have to first make peace with our upbringing, right? Look, we've got to look within and look to see, well, what were the patterns growing up? How, where did I learn a lot of the coping mechanisms and how was it? Because most of the time, it's so easy to blame other people. It's so easy to blame outwardly our situation, our circumstance, our setback, and kind of project it out into the world. But it takes a certain level of personal responsibility to say, how did I play a role in that? And why did I do the things that I did? I mean, it's easy for me to even be in that victim mindset and not trying to, you know, discount anybody who's ever lived through sexual abuse, any sort of trauma, domestic violence. I mean, I was, I lived through that. But I think also to look outside of that lens and say, yeah, like acknowledge that victimhood that you're in for that period of time. But there is, there's a reason why my book is called That Sucked. Now what? Not this sucks. Because that would imply that we're still in the suck. We're not getting out anytime soon. And so the idea that that sucked is actually saying, all right, okay, that's an acknowledgement of the past. It's the acknowledgement of, well, here we are now. I can't change the past, but what can I do next? The now what? Mm -hmm. And so it takes a certain level of that personal responsibility to look inward and say, all right, what was my background growing up? Was my voice suppressed? Was I in a household where I was celebrated? Or was I in a household where I was, where my voice didn't have a voice because you don't talk back to elders or whatever the thing is? Or maybe growing up in a household where the boys got all of the, the, the freedom to go out and the girls had to stay in or whatever that was, cultural nuances, the obligations or the expectations that you had because everyone else was a doctor and so you had to go through that or that you couldn't do X, Y, and Z until you did X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And so, or the helicopter parenting or the tiger parenting. So that would be the first step is to actually see and, and make peace with, okay, what were, what were some of the conditions going on growing up? Were you, did you grow up in poverty? Did you grow up with privilege? Did you grow up with any of those things? That's the first piece. The second piece of that is, and I know that even for myself, you've got to say yes to new realities. And what do I mean by that? Well, good stress. Good stress, meaning, and for the first time, actually, when I when I shared this, 
I was in the Bay Area and I had moved cross country to San Francisco and I was in the midst of this life change. I had started a nonprofit and I wanted to champion women and girls because I wanted to change my reality and say yes to new things. So I started to invest in female-led startups. Well, it took me to San Francisco and one of the moms actually from the Bay Area, we'll just say Palo Alto, very like rigorous school system, et cetera. She wanted me to come and speak to some of these moms. And, and I was like, I'm not even a mom. I'm like very single. Why me? And so they got a hold of my story and they knew the work that I was doing and they wanted to know, can you build resiliency without having such a hard story and loss and grief and all of these things like I had? Is it possible? Because in that year, they had lost three people to suicide, and these were young kids. And you know just automatically, well, their upbringing, was there a lot of privilege? Were they able to identify good stress? And so the second part of what I teach now, because after that mom left that imprint in my mind, I've taken that to heart and I literally, I mean, I was doing all of my research and even seeing what did I do in my own life? What did I actually share and see and observe other people going through hardship? What is that first step? Well, most people will actually completely shift and say, all right, I'm going to be curious. I'm going to lean into curiosity and I'm going to actually do the thing that is interesting for me and take baby steps and say, okay, Lean into whatever is good stress. What does that mean? Well, take a, say yes to an acting class. Say yes to an improv. The first few things that I did was completely out of my comfort zone, which was, I was a dentist. And I actually said yes to an improv class, which I had, I was, I was always validated by my right answers. And so God forbid me going into improv, saying yes and, and talking in gibberish mm -hmm. would actually uh, activate my and, and actually d regulate my nervous system and actually, you know, have a different way for me to get into instead of fight, flight, and freeze into rest and digest and actually play and having fun to not take my situation so seriously. Good stress can also look like cold plunging, right? Who wants to take a shower that's cold and be in that? Uh, it could also look like having difficult conversations. It could also look like sitting with those emotions that do make you uncomfortable, that do actually say, okay, ooh, okay, this feels weird. This feels awkward. Where is this coming from? And to actually lean into that because it's so much easier to bypass it and say, oh, there's that silver lining again. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to lean into that silver lining and then the third part of it, and the fourth part we already talked about, but the third part is your emotional capacity. Can you allow yourself to embrace the complexity of both emotions all at the same time? So when we are actually rising from a sucky moment, like a breakup or a diagnosis medically, or maybe a physical challenge or a setback, or we got fired, or we're just in that stuck season of life, can we actually welcome the complexity of both of those emotions. 
And I look back thinking at my toughest time when I would see, you know, month after month, year after year, my mom kind of getting in and out of remission in her breast cancer, and this was during high school. The fact that, like, I could still pick up some of the morsels of joy seeing that cute guy, the barista, at the coffee shop at the downstairs of that hospital while I would go upstairs to see my mom in the ICU. Is there slivers of joy where both of those feelings can exist at the same time? To welcome that, to feel the paradox of those, to see later on in my life entering motherhood and actually saying, yeah, this fucking sucks (laughs) that I'm waking up three times in the night but then there's so much joy in watching this little human that I created cry. And so it is the duality of both of those and to accept them, just like also accepting my rage and knowing where that rage, instead of judging it, because I actually used to judge my rage so much, especially when I went through bouts of postpartum depression with both of my kids, but I didn't really understand what that meant until looking back when I was a teenager and seeing when my dad was diagnosed with his lung cancer and I was 18 and just remembering, I was so angry. But then I thought, nope, Nitha, big girls don't cry. You got this, you got this, you're so stoic. But I was so angry and then having met that rage and emotion that I could not control and I didn't, it didn't have anywhere to go. But to actually allow yourself to embrace it and to feel it because That's the emotional capacity of you stretching. So that's the third aspect. And the fourth is to really attune to your radical self-awareness, your self-awareness so that you actually are aware of what is triggering you, who is triggering you, and actually sitting with it. Again, the discomfort in that and seeing, okay, what is still present there? What is still, why is that person still triggering me? What is it that I still need to release from this? Or what is it that they're actually showing me? And you'll always have a marker up and you're going, okay, hold on. This person was 10 out of 10 for me. Now they're three out of 10, but there's something still there. And that self-awareness is always, you're saying, gonna be part of our practice onwards. Cause you gotta be self-aware in order to go back through all those steps again and move and move. You just gotta know, okay, I'm feeling this way. Um, Absolutely. How, how, do, how do triggers feel for people then? Yeah, they're, they're, they're big. They suck. They're, if, if, we're, if we're ready, you know, if we're ready to dive into the work and if we're like, all right, let's, let's welcome that. We can feel it in our body somatically, yeah. right? Do we feel it in our gut? Do we feel it in our shoulders? Do we feel it, you know, do we feel those tension headaches? What part of our head feels a little bit more tense? Do we actually feel it in our throat? Do do we feel that our throat kind of gets like locked up and we have to clear our throat because we're maybe suppressing an emotion there or maybe somebody is triggering us and we're trying to We're trying to hide from it. We're trying to run from it. Our body actually, you know, it's like that book, our body keeps score. And I think that's where we're asking the deeper questions in our healing of, ooh, okay, how, yeah, these triggers are amazing. I mean, it's, it's like that pain. It's, they're amazing reminders to actually do a little bit of that introspection that I think is always there. It's not, 
you know, it's it's definitely not easy, I think. You know, I think it, it takes the commitment to say, I'm going to explore this right now because let's be honest, human nature, we can, we can judge it, mm-hmm. but to allow ourselves to drop in and actually take a moment before we react and say, okay, I'm feeling anxious right now and actually really acknowledging it or wow, I'm feeling jealous right now. I didn't get that thing that I really wanted and I worked so hard for it. And how come it went to that person? Mm. The awareness around it. That's what it takes. It's just always that. Having that awareness, how do you feel it? Where do you feel it in your body? What does it feel like, right? And then what? You, connecting that feeling, connecting that emotion to that feeling. What's going on? And then being able to have that awareness. Because oftentimes it gets scary and we resist that. You know? It gets scary and we want to do something else. We want to numb, distract, avoid. Get Let's on the phone. Get on the phone. Get, get on the phone. Clean the house again. It doesn't even need to be cleaned for the third time this week. T- t- tidy the pillows. Everything. And, and, it's, and I see it in people, mm. how much we run away in our own flavor. right? And even in family units, siblings even do it differently. Oh, yeah. Um, but it's just what we do. It's how we survive. But now... What I always say is the irony is like we have this survival mechanism and as we get older, that mechanism that allowed us to survive, as we get older, all of a sudden is the thing that makes us sick. It fizzles, yeah. Yeah. It fizzles and it's like, you know, and, and it's so appropriate that I'm even bringing this here because, you know, just even thinking back around how my parents how they, you know, of course they were told what they were told around emotions and, you know, they just did the best that they could. I think a lot of us just do the best that they could, but a lot of their, you know, diseases manifested as, as, as these illnesses. And, and my mom, you know, her breast cancer, but then it ended up in her lungs. And lungs, of course, from a healing standpoint, is a sign of that grief, holding in so much of that grief. And then also my dad, lung cancer, my, my brother, uh, an asthma attack, all of these things pinpoint, you know, lungs and grief is where that's kind of where the emotional manifestation of where we're holding in that pain. Mm. So it was so interesting for me to even connect the dots of my life to arrive at this work to say, wow, let's feel to heal. And really, you know, allow ourselves to feel some of those feelings where we're taught so differently and there's so much shame around it and there's so much, you know, the guilt of, okay, this emotional perfectionism. I talk about this in the book where... I was, my, everybody on my mom's side was a pageant queen. And so this idea that you had to be this idea of perfection and there was only certain emotions that you can elicit and God forbid you were ever upset or angry because, you know, we don't do that. That's a lot of pressure. That's, that's enough for a pressure cooker to just one day break, but to actually then be able to see where where are we actually holding that in our bodies and to reject the whole idea that these these emotions have to be perfect and i i i mean this whole entire book and chapter of my life was inspired because i got into motherhood because i was like all right we're really feeling the feels real time like it is chaotic it is messy we are having meltdowns and it was around the time of when my son was two years old i think a little earlier about 14 months 15 months he started to fully express 
And when we spend time and, you know, even for the listeners, you don't even need to have a child to go through this. You see any toddler and see how you react when you get on an airplane with them. See how you react when you're seated right next to a baby. Are you going to be like, excuse me, change my seat? Mm. Or are you going to be like, okay, well, they're going to cry. And I guarantee you, because I used to be like this too. Oh man, I got, I got, I'm sitting right next to the baby. Oh man. You know, just see how we respond to when other people let out their emotions. And it's fascinating because I actually even taught was teaching this, uh, this course for one of our programs, and one of the students said, well, what if my client starts to uncontrollably cry? How can I stop them? Oh, boy. Yeah. And I said, oh, wow. By the way, this was, you know, an emotional release-like mm-hmm. class. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I said, well, what is your, what's your relationship with them crying? Because that, that question had everything to do with the with question yeah. asker with them than what I was teaching. And so it's so important to pinpoint how we are in relation to another person and where that perspective is coming from to then change that. It's been a long time since I promoted a coffee because there's not that many good coffee brands. We got one of the best ones now on Heal Thyself. Are you ready to elevate your coffee game? And experience a proof that's not only delicious, but it's also health focus. Let me introduce you to Purity Coffee. You heard me review them in one of my first ever coffee reviews as one of the best, and then my second ever one as one of the best. And it's one of the best still. It's an ultimate choice for coffee lovers who, who prioritize taste as well as well-being. I'm gonna tell you what makes Purity Coffee stand out from the crowd. Every step in that process is rooted in health-focused principles backed by solid scientific research-based rigorous testing. They use the finest specialty grade organic Arabica beans and then move on to small batch roasting, ensuring that each cup meets the highest standards of quality. But what really sets Purity Coffee apart from all the other coffee brands is their dedication, is my favorite, is their dedication to purity and safety. Their beans undergo third-party testing to ensure they're free of pesticides, toxins, and harmful mycotoxins, those pesky substances that can wreak havoc on your health, causing issues like liver and kidney damage, digestive problems, brain fog, and fatigue. Purity Coffee also has some of the highest antioxidant capacity. And this is important because we have to understand coffee is actually really good for us when we're getting quality coffee. And the reason it's good for us and ensures so many benefits, especially heart health, is because of its antioxidant capacity. Purity has one of the highest antioxidants that you're going to find in coffee, giving you a powerful dose of healthy boosting compounds with every sip. Purity Coffee is grown on regenerative organic farms that prioritize soil health, animal welfare, and community well-being. They have certifications by USDA Organic, Rainforest Alliance, and Smithsonian Bird Friendly. You can also trust Purity Coffee is not only good for you, but also good for the planet. They have a range of roasts from their light medium roast with sweet fruity notes and their dark roast with rich bold taste. So to try out one of my favorite coffees in existence and one that I recommend to everyone still to this day, I've been doing it for years, is Purity Coffee. Go to puritycoffee.com and use the code DRG for 30% off of your first purchase. That is P-U-R-I-T-Y-C-O-F-F-E-E.com and use the code DRG for 30% off of your order. You know, living a long life is great. It is. We all want to live longer. 
But what's even better is living those years in good health, right? Free of the chronic diseases and the ailments. Unfortunately for many, the gap between lifespan and health span is way too wide. And we spent our last years ill, not enjoying our life to the fullest. And that's why I'm always into research-based products, quality supplements that are coming out to you, the highest, the best of the best, some of the best rigorously tested supplements. And one of my favorite companies across the board is Momentus. And they have two that I use every single day creatine and collagen. These are the two powerhouses at work. I've been open and I've been working out more four times a week. I'm lifting heavy weights and these are staples. And, I, and not just me, I think everyone should be out working out, building muscle, staples to muscle repair and muscle growth. But what sets Momentus apart from the rest is its clinically researched formulas. For the collagen, it delivers 15 grams of collagen, supporting your body in various ways. And it's not just one type of collagen, it's all the types of collagen, right? A lot of companies just have one type of collagen. You want all the types of your body's absorbing and utilizing this collagen the way you desire the body to use it. But boy, oh boy, the gold standard for working out, if you're not on this, you don't even have to be working out. You can use it for your brain. It's creatine. Momentous creatine is fantastic. There's no fillers, no additive, pure, effective ingredients you can trust. Trust is everything when it comes to supplements. Momentous third-party test. There's no surprises. What you see on the package is what you get. So if you're like me, you want to feel your body with the best of the best, go to livemomentous.com and use the code DRG for 15% off of creatine and collagen and all their top-notch products. That is L-I-V-E-M-O-M-E-N-T-O-U-S.com with the code DRG for your discount. Sit next to the toddler, but immediately put on my noise canceling headphones <laughs> and just be in my own world, right? You know, maybe give the toddler a smile midway. What do you do? Maybe a quick little smile, but but when he's looking at me or she's looking at me, I, I envision it. Um, but I have been on the plane without noise canceling headphones and hearing like the piercing sounds, especially if it was a night flight. I'm like, oh my God, I need to sleep, you know? So I know what it feels like at this point in my life, so. Yeah. But talking about children, now, if we haven't done any work on ourselves, mm-hmm. we, have, we, we haven't set out with that emotional awareness, we haven't looked at our triggers, we haven't even asked how we've been raised and how I got here, and then we just have a kid. Mm. Will the kid inevitably start pushing a process within you, mom or dad? Guaranteed. Guaranteed. I think that was probably an having done a lot of healing work and, you know, in the depths of my unraveling and breakdown to say yes to all of these new different modalities of healing from somatics and energetics and psychedelics and, you know, all all of it in different places around the world. I never really knew what the emotional capacity was in this bounce factor until I actually entered motherhood. And it's not just because you're sleep deprived. It's not just because you yourself are going through a tremendous death of your ego and reinvention and rebirth of yourself. You're tired, you're exhausted, your own inner child wounds, whatever is still unhealed because we're all an onion, comes up and then your partner's stuff comes up. And then you're having this child who is also going to trigger and bring up all of these complexities in you. And, and, and I mean, we're seasoned in the work. My husband also, you know, is, is, is big in this, this process. And we had to recalibrate and really understand it was, it was personal development on steroids, wow. uh, especially with our first. And, 
you don't necessarily recognize that, which is why it really informed and kind of alchemized everything that I've been through. Because I can see this from a lens of, wow, my, you know, my traumas now of whatever, like my day to day of, all right, you know, he's crying again. What am I going to do? I'm not, I'm not, the, the milk's not coming out properly. And so then you're judging yourself. Am I a good mom? You know, the, the postpartum depression, the hormones. And by the way, I didn't even know I was in the depth of that suck until I got out to actually see the contrast on the other side to say, oh, wow, I was in that. I was in that mess or that tunnel for a really long time and I didn't even know. And for my partner, for Ajit, to just be with me and sit with me in that, it took a lot of emotional regulation and a lot of us breathing and breaking down and crying and wailing together. It's a whole process because also for me to actually even bring up some of the unhealed parts of myself that was so used to taking care of other people because that was my coping mechanism. I'm going to be the martyr. I'm going to be last. And so even in those first few months, I would reject my super Indian mother-in-law from India. Like she would cook for me because, you know, the whole Ayurvedic 40-day period. And I was like, nope, I don't need any of that. Full-on rejection as if I was this rebellious teenager, Again, that inner rebellious teen was coming up again. And I, and I had to sit with the fact that I am worthy even if I can't contribute. And I'm worthy of receiving this love and mothering from somebody else because it had been a long time since I actually said yes to that. To then say, okay, we can now work on, now we have this, this baby. And when that baby turned 14 months, it was a whole different ballgame because then it was, you know, and for any listener who, who doesn't have kids, I mean, it's, it's a whole spiritual awakening at this point. It is, a, I call it a spiritual practice mm-hmm. because imagine you, you not just sitting on a plane for six hours with a screaming kid, it's all day, every day. And that's where the real work comes in because that's when the real work of all right, am I going to transfer what I was told about emotions to this little one and say, stop crying right now. I'm going to give you something to cry about. I mean, these were some of the things that I heard when I was younger. We have so much chaos, I'll give you something to cry about. And so for me, it took a conscious awareness of, all right, my own tools, you know, all right, let's breathe, let's put our hand over our heart, let's connect back to our body, Let's go. And when he was a little bit older, it was, all right, let's name the emotion. I have a whole chapter when I'm telling a story around how, you know, I was, we were, we were ghosted by a babysitter. We had just moved to Austin and I had just given birth to my daughter and my son was, he was two at this point, maybe even a little over two. And I was so excited to have, you know, an adult date with my husband. We had just moved into this home, new community, new everything. We were out of the three-month bubble, you know, baby newborn right. bubble. And we're like, I'm like, I just, I just want to like have an adult day, you know, put on my strappy heels, look cute, get my, you know, mm-hmm. do my hair, all of the things. And so I looked for a babysitter and I, I, I got this one young girl who said she was going to make it. And lo and behold, she doesn't even call. 
She doesn't show up. I texted her probably about 10 times, but I was, we were, I was ghosted. We mm. were ghosted. Mm. And if you can imagine that mom rage, because I spent days and weeks putting together this whole, right. you know, like the, the, the schedule, and this was going to be the new babysitter that would come for the first time for our date. Mind you, three hours. So I was, I was all ready, and for her not to show up, and for her not to even call, and then just text an hour later, saying, "All right, we're uh, sorry, can't make it." Mm -hmm. I was so, I was livid. I was upset. I, I got into my little, you know, I was, and and my son is looking at me like, "Mama, what's wrong? Why are you like?" I'm pacing around the house back and forth. I'm like, "I can't believe she would do this." Can't you just call it? We could have found a backup. Oh my gosh, we're gonna miss the tickets. You know, life happens, right? It's not these big T traumas anymore of the death, the loss, the mm. seeing my parents through cancer and all these things. These are everyday human disappointments that will happen to test our patients, to test the, our emotional capacity to feel. So I'm in it real time. And so my son says, mama, why are you stomping like a dinosaur? And so I'm like, you know what? You're right. And I just broke and I like broke in the biggest laughter, right? And so that's when I turned on this super ridiculous song. I mean, it was a, he was into dinosaurs at this stage. So we put on this EDM music and mm. it's like, flap your wings like a pterodactyl, you know, stomp <laughs> like a T-Rex. And it was, you know, it's one of those, like it's a, it's a booty shaking uh -huh. dinosaur song. And we just stomped and we danced and it was fun. And then I, I told my husband, I'm like, let's go get some ice cream. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and that was it. But it's in these moments of, all right, I've chosen, we've chosen to allow our kids to see us feel. Because so much of, I know in my upbringing, and I know a lot of people, they're growing up in situations where their parents hid that from, from them. And so then they're taught, all right, only certain emotions are okay with your kids. And I want our kids to be able to express and feel. And, you know, now my daughter, she's almost two and she, you take something away from her. She's starting to scream. And again, it's so much easier to parent when we're like, all right, shut up right now. Don't yeah. you dare, don't you dare do that. You know, versus, emotionally regulating yourself, mm -hmm. taking a few deep breaths, and then going in and doing whatever you can. I mean, I have a whole list of ways to regulate in terms of screaming into a pillow, yeah. putting on a ridiculous song, being able to be with the discomfort of the feelings and shake it out, stomp it out. Uh, I think I shared with you one of those videos where mm -hmm. I took 600 people. To, mm -hmm. We did that song, by the way, yeah. Dinosaur Dance. We, I literally played it. I'm like, you're gonna stop like my kid. And, uh, but why is it that we give permission to ourselves to act like a child and stomp our, our, our misery away or stomp our feelings away when, you know, when other people are around us? Mm -hmm. and, and I just, I, in this practice, I thought, wow, if I would give them just a regular song to do that to, they're about, you know, that we're, we're like judging each other because we're in, or in group or community with other people that we may not know versus when I say, all right, put on a ridiculous song that you would dance to with your kids and stomp out that suck. 
it's interesting that, you know, we all in many ways want to go back to that little child in yeah. us, the yeah. little kid, and give ourselves permission to play, to feel, to, to, to be without the necessarily judgment, you yeah, know, necessary who, judgment around it. It's who we are. It's our authenticity. It's the embodiment of self in human form. And the irony is that kids do that so naturally, right? And yeah. you mentioned this being, this like being a parent, being this like spiritual boot camp, like you're going to go through it if you have it. And I imagine this is how generational trauma is perpetuated. When we don't have the awareness and we and our children trigger us, if we haven't listened to our lives, our children are going to trigger us so much. And all of that emotion that is repressed from dad, dad's dad, dad's 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 mom's mom's mom, everyone is just being brought out on the child and their voice is being repressed. And this is just how it's perpetuated over and over. But we can break that trauma, right? Mm. And, and we're at the point now where we have education, awareness, access to the content on how to do it. We, there's 20 people doing it. You try all 20 ways, you're going to find a way, right? True. This podcast, we're talking about it. I, no one was talking about this in the 90s. No. I, I remember. I, no. I, back when YouTube came out, nothing, you know? But now we have people talking about, wow, we're, if you have kids, here's your time. And you're saying that maybe, just maybe, when you're finding yourself being exactly like your mom or dad and saying, hey, no, don't, don't, you're a big boy now, no crying. You, you allow the child to express, but more importantly, you and your partner expressing. You allowing that space for your child to see you express, which is essential, right? Because what I've found, in, at least in my work, is this is what it is. It's so many of people grow up with what was allowed and not allowed in the home. What was safe and unsafe? What did dad show? What did mom show? When mom did this, what did dad do? What did dad? And then by the time we're you know seven, eight years old, we know exactly the boy or girl we need to be. Exactly. So it's powerful, mm -hmm. that recommendation of, no, show your emotion. You know, your child saw you in your anger stomping, and then he saw you laughing and moving that energy, and he did it with you. Yeah. Most importantly, how important is to have a child do these processes with you, um, participating and know that, hey, mom does it, it's okay, it's not scary. Dad does it, it's okay, it's not scary. It's safe. It's safe. Is that a major key for having the child learn to express his or her emotions? Oh my gosh, 100%. I mean, have them see, you know, I think when we think of our big emotions, our, our rage, our anger, our disappointment, our sadness, our crying, our wailing, you know, we're so afraid of letting them see the bigness in our emotions. But I think what we're really afraid of is what we do with those emotions because obviously it's not going to be safe if we're if they're seeing us punch a wall or project you know our anger at somebody else it's the ways that we're supposed to healthily demonstrate well what are we doing with this anger right right and i think that's the difference in that yes of course if we're seeing our kid hit somebody else we're going to say, absolutely not, we don't do that. And, and that is not a good display of, of showing anger. You can actually cry, hit, wail, you know, take your, take your pillow. And I think that is the difference of why many times parents or when we're in that frequency, we think, oh my gosh, I have to stop them. Well, yeah, not if they're, if they're having their experience, have their experience, yeah. but also how are you expressing and are you actually okay with 
these emotions that we many times judge because we think that it's not socially acceptable. Yeah, yeah. But really what we're afraid of is how we actually execute on those. Mm -hmm. and, and just by executing on that, truly like from their heart and being like, okay, no, I have an emotion and this is how it's gonna be expressed. That's giving the child so much permission. It's giving them permission that, oh, okay, I can, I can be angry. Yeah. And, and that's okay. I can be sad and cry because I see my data cry and, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. and, to, and to see even the witnessing of somebody else, like a partner, a, another caregiver, to allow that, to not even try to console or try to even, but just to be there. That it's okay. That it's, that all of it is okay. That we're not trying to say, okay, okay, babe, it's, it's all good now, you know, but, but you're actually sitting there with it. Mm. The good, the bad, the messy, the all of it, all at the same time. Children see the full authenticity of mom and dad and, and, and see that, mimic it, and then know that it's safe, right? So I always tell like my clients, I'll be like, listen, right now what you're doing for your son, your son's gonna know exactly the woman, yeah. what a woman means, right? So a woman in her full authenticity, this is the, this is, he's not gonna settle for less as he gets older. A mom's gonna see her mom full. This is what it is to be a woman. Boy's gonna see dad. Right? This is how it happens. We learn, we learn, we learn. We, anger came up a few times, mm -hmm. and that's a very common emotion that I see. And I'm sure that you, people are just holding in so much, especially because society doesn't fully accept it, especially in men, certainly in women. How, when you're inevitably angry, mm -hmm. does your child witness that? What do you do? How is, how is anger in the, in the Dr. Nita household? <laughs> Oof. Anger's a fun emotion. Anger's a fun emotion. So yeah, I, I take my pillow and we're like, all right, we're gonna scream into a pillow right now. Where is my pillow? And we already has, you know, his dinosaur pillows or whatever. Now he's into tigers, so we have this whole thing. But we have actually a little calming corner in our house. Thanks to the folks at Generation Mindful. Um, and anyways, for any parent out there, I mean, I got this when he was like 14 months old, but it's such a beautiful map of all of these different um, feelings. And it's almost like, uh, if you did you ever play Guess Who when yeah. you were growing up? Okay. It's kind of like Guess Who, but they're actually posters. And they're posters of these people with like these different emotions. And some of them are happy and frustrated and sad. There's about like, I don't know, maybe 20 However, for him to actually see this poster and for him to actually have another uh, poster that's some of these healing activities or it's, it's processing activities that he can actually do. So we have a whole corner where it's drawing, coloring, um, a pillow in there, uh, you know, music, drums, uh, you know, so all of these different ways if he and how he wants to express that emotion. So usually now, because, you know, we'll, we've got this whole screen, he's four now, so we have this whole screen time situation and many times we'll say, okay, no, we're, we're done. You watched your episode and we're done. And of course the meltdown will come and it's big. It's like, why did you take that away? I wanna watch more. Wow. And it's big and it's, it's like, okay. And you're like, all right, I'm, I'm with this. I'm with this. And, and in the beginning, that was even hard. And so, especially after a long day and you're working and you're doing, and then you're tired or you haven't slept because you got a baby, a newborn that hasn't slept and kept you up at night. It is so easy to get triggered. 
And then mama gets all flustered and says, all right, okay, I need a break. I need a breather. You know what? We're going to scream right now because you're upset. Mama's upset. I'm feeling angry, mama. Okay, great. I'm feeling angry too. Let's go scream it out. So then we'll set a timer because I love timers with my kid. This, Mm -hmm. my oldest, he needs to have these transition times. So I'm like, all right, we're going to set the timer for 30 seconds. Okay, 30 seconds. So then I take my pillow and even, even if I'm angry and they're home and I'm with, it's like, I have my pillow, he has his pillow, but screaming into that. Many times what I'll notice is you can't scream for that long. I know. It'll, you'll wear you, wear you down for a while. It'll, it turns into laughter. Yeah, yeah. It, it just automatically transmutes into laughter. So then you're starting to do laughing yoga and we didn't even plan for it. And you're giggling. And you're giggling and you're laughing, but, and sometimes, sometimes, you know, when it's really big, then we're screaming and then it turns into crying. Right. Which is also okay. That I've seen. Because you know that the crying is actually, it's just, it needed to purge itself out. It needed to come out. And even, this is the big thing that I've learned even with my kids, and you probably see it with your, your patients as well, is that when they are feeling uncomfortable and when we're feeling uncomfortable, we're acting out, we're trying to elicit a response from our partner, from our significant other to just say like, I wanna feel seen by you. Don't you feel seen? Don't you wanna see me? I just wanna feel heard by you. All we're actually asking for is, hey, I've had a really rough day. Can I just get a hug? Or can I just feel held right now? We don't know how to ask for what we need. Right. Now let's chat about something crucial that is omega-3s. You know I'm all about keeping clean and pure when it comes to products as well as food on my plate. But when it comes to supplements, right, we have to make sure we have the best of the best, but especially when it comes to omega-3s. And and I really mean it. Omega-3s are some of the most adulterated supplements that exist out there. And a lot of companies aren't doing it right. We need omega-3s for our heart, for our brain, for our eye health. You might not be getting enough nutritionally. When it comes to Peori, it's a quality brand, not only just with Omegas across their whole line. They're extremely transparent. Every batch undergoes rigorous testing against over 200 contaminants, and you could check the results for yourself. And that's one of my favorite things. You can scan the QR code and look at the batch that is right in front of you that is on your shelf or on your counter, and you can see the results for this quality testing. Puri's O3 Ultra Pure Fish Oil delivers a potent dose of EPA and DHA without any unnecessary extras. Now, Puri is offering 20% off of their O3 Ultra Pure Fish Oil, the one that I take every single morning, and all their fantastic products to you, the Heal Thyself listener. That's 20% off even the already discounted subscription price. I want you to go to Puri.com. Use my promo code DRG. That's P-U-O-R-I.com slash DRG to take care of your health with some of the best omegas out there by Puri. These days... These days, it seems like everyone is carrying on a beverage, whether it's soda or flavored water or kombucha or coffee or tea, but not all beverages are created equal when it comes to quality and health benefits. That is why I become obsessed with Peaks Sun Goddess Matcha. I've been using this for, it's one of the first supplements I really invested in. It's four years ago, probably. And it's not just any old matcha powder. We're talking organic ceremonial grade matcha tea that has been meticulously screened for pesticides, heavy metals, mold, and even radioactive isotopes. Peak takes no shortcuts. Their matcha is cultivated by ninth degree tea masters in Kagoshima, Japan, using century old traditions. Their plants are shaded for 35% longer than usual to maximize the production of vital compounds like L-theanine for calm, steady energy and chlorophyll for its detoxifying anti-aging properties. I start every morning with a frothy cup of sun goddess matcha 
not just for energizing my body, you know, we all want to get that caffeine kick. Yeah, okay. But for the amazing gut health, metabolism boosting and antioxidant benefits, the phytonutrients nurture my digestive system. The EGCG compounds help my body burn calories efficiently. And the chlorophyll gives my skin the awesome reading. You see, I'm glowing right now, right? That's because of the matcha. There's perfectly proportioned packets that are easy to mix with water whenever I need to pick me up. So easy to make a consistent self-care ritual. Peak is offering you, the Heal Thyself listener, 15% off of their sun goddess matcha, plus a free beaker and a rechargeable frother when you go to peaklife.com slash DRG. They're so confident that you're going to love it. There's even a 30-day money-back guarantee. No code at checkout. Just go to P-I-Q-U-E-L-I-F-E dot com slash DRG. You're going to get 15% off plus all those freebies. And it's the same thing with our kids. Our kids are even multi-stimulated in all the ways. When they come home and they're acting up and they're acting out, they're not doing it to be a pest. They're doing it to actually scream and say, hey, mama, I just need a hug. Mm -hmm. But they don't know how to do that. So their little bodies are like, and then it turns out into chaos. But we could actually sit with them, go to their level and say, okay, these are big feelings. And many times when you just like eye to eye, the crying starts and then all they needed was that. And then they melt. And then it's like, okay, let's go play toys. You know, whatever it is, it's like, oh, what just happened here? (laughs) Well, that's how you've mastered at least the emotional part of your child and helping them walk through these emotions. I love and am inspired whenever my kid comes in the future, knock on wood, to have that little corner, to have little stations or something where how do we get this energy out together? Um, And I love that you do it together. I love that you don't say, okay, you know, scream and and I'm going to watch you and I'm going to set the timer myself. You know, giving permission to both do it together is, is the bonding experience. Well, because I feel like, you know, this the whole idea of the whole timeout situation. I'm like, yeah, okay, fine, they need timeout. But what if, you know, like, would we want to be sent to, you know, to, to a corner by ourselves when we're actually, like, grieving and feeling this pain? Mm. Maybe sometimes, but sometimes you just want to be around people and the people that you love, not, like, get shunned into your room. Right. And so that's my whole idea of, and and again, do whatever works for you, but I feel like for, I want to be there with them, mm-hmm. you know, and, and and again, it's it's harder. It's harder to do. It's not normal to, to go in that process with them, but I think to give ourselves permission to sit with them in those emotions to then help them process that. Yeah, yeah, and it's your healing too. It's never a mistake, even their moments or your moments. Absolutely the same um okay look the book that sucks now what that sucked that sucked not sucks yeah not this sucks definitely this sucks. This, that sucked <laughs> that sucked yeah and 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 just some tidbits what are we gonna find in there for the people viewing this and they go okay i love this girl i'm inspired i'm gonna get this book what can we find in there Oof, okay so it's broken down into three parts so the first part is your magical moment of suck And that is the breakdown. That is getting into why we do certain things, exploring our entitlement, exploring our privilege, exploring parts of ourselves where, ooh, are we reacting because we have a chip on our shoulder? And are we reacting from a place of lack? Because that then stems our reality of, ooh, are we feeling resentment? And why is it that sometimes we're addicted to our suck? Why are we addicted to our pain? And we want to just sit in that suck for a really long time and stew in it and think the world is out to get us and the world is... 
is, is not fair to us. Mm-hmm. And, and we explore our own victim hood and and why we get into that victim spiral and knowing that that victim spiral is normal our ego is wanting to keep us safe so we go and explore all of that in part one and then part two of the book we get into the bounce factor so Mm -hmm. you'll get into the four different pillars we actually go into generational healing and generational trauma and why there you know why we do certain things if we're open to kind of looking under the hood and then getting into how we create good stress and what that good stress and creating that environment for us to grow in and evolve into that next evolution of ourselves. And then we get into, you know, how do we actually express our emotional capacity to feel as well as tuning into that radical self-awareness. So that's all in part two. And then part three, we get into, all right, how do we fly forward? Mm. How do we fly forward past some of these moments? And what are some of the emotions and the feelings that we are going to feel when we do have a fall, when we are in a very big shock and state? But then how do we get out of that repeatedly so that we know how to get from falling to igniting to magnifying to then uh, rising and thriving at the end? But knowing that when we get to thriving, we're not just, all right, immune to sucky moments from happening, but we could actually then reframe and, you know, take personal responsibility to know that, all right, what else are we learning as we up-level in ourselves Mm -hmm. at every chance? And really to embrace the magic and the mess that we all collectively share. And we are seeing that through a lens of our human experience if we're actually open to it. I love that. That's the framework. All in Looks like 200-something pages, maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah, right? See, I got a good eye for these things. You do. It's uh, pretty good. A, a nice framework. Thank you so much. How do people find you on Instagram, on your website, wherever you are hanging out? Oh, gosh. So I hang out on Instagram uh, at Neetha Bushin. And actually, when you do get the book uh, at thatsucknowwhat.com, you actually get the free uh, 44-page healing manual that comes along with this, as well mm. as a five-day fly-forward healing practice of meditations and we go into affirmations uh, to start healing our relationships and reconciling back to ourselves. I love that. I love that. And your website? Yeah. So it's thatsuckednowwhat.com. Love it. And uh, that's where you get everything. Making big moves. You're kicking down the door, the emotional door, and you're saying, hey, it's time to feel your emotions. It's time to grow. It's time to heal those wounds generationally and within yourself. Especially if you're having a kid, you better get this book right now. Let's go. Thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for your heart, what you're doing in this world. I see it. I feel it. And it's a pleasure to have you. Dr. G, amazing. All right. My guy. Adderall, what is it? Well, it's a central nervous system stimulant. And it's indicated for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, ADHD. And it's given to children, but also adolescents and even adults. How does it work, right? So some of you have taken Adderall out there and have felt the effects 30, 40, maybe an hour into it, and have seen, whoa, I'm super focused. Whoa, I feel like I can read this whole book front to back three times. Whoa, I feel really present in this moment. I'm not thinking about the future or the past. Adderall in itself is a powerful medicine. But how does it work? Well, it's an amphetamine. It's a non-catecholamine sympathomimetic amine with activity 
and the central nervous system as a stimulant. So what the heck does that mean? It's basically a neurohormone that stimulates adrenaline and dopamine that makes you wired, but feeling good at the same time. It works very similarly to meth. Now, when you look at the package insert for Adderall, there's a box warning. And it says in big letters, there's a high potential for abuse. Prolonged administration may lead to dependence. And a misuse of amphetamines may cause sudden death and serious cardiovascular adverse events. So it's a federally controlled substance because it can be abused and lead to dependence, and we know this. And one of the messages for doctors when using and prescribing this is evaluate the patient's history, including all their family history of abuse, dependence on alcohol, prescription medications, or illicit drugs, right? Really get a good idea for your patient in front of you. I'm going to tell you something. Not every doctor does this. I remember in college how easy it was to set up and make an appointment with a doctor and pretend you're having trouble focusing just to get a prescription. Now, I never felt like I needed Adderall, but my God, everyone was doing it in college. In the early 2000s, Adderall was everywhere and it became rampant and actually has become more popular over the years. Adderall prescriptions dispensed in the United States spiked up to 41.4 million last year. That's up 10.4% from 2020, according to the IQVIA data. Now, to give you an idea, in 2012, it wasn't 41.4 million, it was 16 million. In 2005, when I was in college, it was 9 million. Now, according to the New York Times, I have an awesome article called Generation Adderall. By 2004, Adderall was the second most abused illicit drug behind marijuana. And recently, there was a shortage on Adderall. More than two months, we saw how addictive Adderall was in the populations. Students could not focus in school anymore without Adderall. And pharmacists were actually reporting students coming in, not being able to refill their prescription and being anxious and sometimes even aggressive addiction. Now, Adderall's effect on the brain can sometimes mimic methamphetamine addiction and those who abuse Adderall, right? We develop a tolerance to the drug and are unable to function normally without it. And going into addiction with Adderall is a big problem because the withdrawal comes. So who is not fit to take Adderall? What people out there? Well, people with advanced arterial sclerosis, uh, sympathomimetic cardiovascular diseases, moderate to severe hypertension, high blood pressure, hyperthyroidism, if you have a known hypersensitivity to these type of medications, glaucoma, living in an agitated state with your mood disorders or emotional issues, history of drug abuse, or during or within 14 days following the administration of a monoamine oxidase inhibitor. Over 5% of children out there who are prescribed Adderall have a loss of appetite, insomnia, abdominal pain, emotional lability, vomiting, nervousness, nausea, and fever. With abdominal pain being up there at 14%, the loss of appetite being at 22% and insomnia being 17. Now, over 5% of adolescents have a loss of appetite, insomnia, abdominal pain, weight loss, nervousness. Loss of appetite being 36%, abdominal pain being 11%, insomnia being 12. But interestingly enough, it is the adults who suffer with the most amount of side effects from Adderall. Over 5% of adults have dry mouth, loss of appetite, insomnia, headache, weight loss, nausea, anxiety, agitation, dizziness, tachycardia, right, a fast heartbeat, diarrhea, and urinary tract infections, with 26% getting a headache, 35% getting dry mouth, 33% with a loss of appetite, and 13% with nervousness. Now, what are some other side effects that we see? Increased blood pressure, psychotic events, and mania, even with a no prior history. One thing that is really concerning to me when I was reading about this in the literature is suppressing long-term growth in children could actually cause your child not to grow 
the way that your child would be growing without Adderall. It's incredible. Seizures, if you have Raynaud's disease causing vascular issues, and ticks. Now, this is very important because Adderall is a stimulant. Any stimulant drugs should not be used in patients who have structural cardiac abnormalities like cardiomyopathy, serious heart rhythm abnormalities, coronary artery disease, or any other heart issues. Why? Because there's actually been reports of children and adolescents dying from these medications when they have heart abnormalities. So you have to make sure your heart is right if you ever take Adderall. Long-term abuse is likely with Adderall, and it can put you at risk for heart disease, stroke, dental problems, right, because it's reducing saliva, and other mood disorders. So the CDC published in the Journal of Pediatrics a study, and according to the study, 4,777 youth have died of a drug overdose in 2019 in the United States. 902 of those deaths were overdoses from psychostimulants like Adderall. And according to the Drug Abuse Warning Network, which tracks drug-related visits to the emergency rooms across the United States, in 2013, they reported that there was 17,000 Adderall-related visits to the emergency departments back in 2011. And that was over a 650% increase from 2004. So when it comes to Adderall and addiction, there are some studies on addiction, but not enough. What we do see is current or former college students are more likely to abuse Adderall than anyone. And we know Adderall increases dopamine, so this is where the addiction begins. And this is why that pharmacist in the New York Times article reported students acting anxious, agitated, aggressive, because the addiction was kicking in. Now, we have to look for signs of addiction when taking Adderall. What happens is there's an unnatural push of hormones in the body. And remember, the body always compensates. For every action, there's a reaction. So now, when your hormones are all the way up and you're off the Adderall, there's a drop, a really drop down to a valley, and all of a sudden we start seeing things like mental fog, low energy, sleeping very poorly, mood changes start acting up, right? More anxiety, more panic attacks, depression comes up. And now people who depend on Adderall are not able even to get their work done. They're not able to focus. Adderall withdrawal is very real, and this can last for days, up to weeks for certain people. My recommendation is if you absolutely need Adderall to function, then I would explore it. It's misused, it's overabused. There's people who cannot even find presence in the moment to study and instead find distraction in so much. But look at the world we live in. Not only the foods we eat that can be inflammatory to the brain, go back a few episodes, I even spoke about the foods that cause ADHD-like symptoms, but also we're on our phone all the time and our attention span has gone down over the years. So of course ADHD is going to be diagnosed more often, but really the bigger question is what's happening with us. So if you have ADHD or identify with having ADHD, you gotta look at a bigger picture. What are some root causes that we need to really explore? Hypoallergenic diet. If you're eating foods that are inflammatory, hyperexcitable in the brain, it's going to cause focus issues, for sure. It's going to cause behavioral issues, for sure, especially in children. So you want to explore hypoallergenic foods, foods that are not going to stimulate the immune system, that are not going to inflame the body, and going into something like an elimination diet. Remove all the foods that are causing issues and start introducing foods slowly but surely over time to make sure the body's reacting positively. And in the last show, as I mentioned, I talked about the foods that worsen ADHD. So go back a few episodes and write down the foods, especially if you have a child who has been diagnosed with quote-unquote ADHD. Ask your naturopathic doctor about the following. Do we know that children actually who present with ADHD usually have an increase in pathogenic bacteria in the gut? So when they take a poop test, 
not only is there a reduced amount of diversity of good bacteria in the gut, but they have an increase in those pathogenic bacteria. They may have an increase in yeast, they may have an increase in parasites. So working on the gut is essential. You also want to check for proper micronutrient deficiency. That's super essential. Many of these foods, these vitamins, these minerals, the antioxidants, are helping the proper functioning of neurotransmitters and hormones in the body while supporting the brain and the nervous system, right? So you need to optimize the building blocks first before we start doing any medications. Very important. Always check for liver function, heavy metals, toxins, pesticides. Why? Because a lot of these can affect the brain negatively and cause hyperexcitability in the brain, lack of focus, mood changes, affect the gut, which is causing, again, a circled loop back to the brain, leaky gut, leaky brain, leaky gut, leaky brain. And we're seeing issues that are lending itself to an inflammatory process happening in the brain that we're calling ADHD. And from the emotional standpoint, we have to look at this as a bigger picture. I actually believe there's a big, big piece for ADHD that is not being diagnosed or not even being looked at, not even by naturopathic or functional doctors. We have to look at the emotional component of ADHD. What happens when there's an unbearable, unwitnessable emotion that wasn't allowed to be safe in the home? What happens? Well, we compress, we repress that emotion into our body and we hold it and we protect it. We can't just hold that energy and not express it. It has to come out some way, somehow. And for many children, that energy comes out as a protective mechanism that we call ADHD. So really, when I see someone with ADHD and they're physiologically okay, they've done all the tests, right? We check their gut, we check their micronutrient status, right? We have a full picture of all the foods they're eating and everything looks good, but they're still presenting with ADHD. My question is what's happening in the home? What is safe and unsafe in the home? Is a child suffering with a repressed emotion because they're not allowed to be, for example, angry and they have to show up with a protection of ADHD, right? That energy has to go somewhere, especially when you're a kid. And that ADHD can go away when you get older, but present as something else when you're older, like anxiety or depression or OCD or addiction. So really, we always have to look at the emotional component of ADHD and the best doctors who are looking at the holistic model for healing are the ones who are doing this and intervening in this way. So look at the big picture. If you or someone you love suffers with ADHD, Adderall is far from the answer. Adderall is often misused, and it's something that we need to start stepping away from. Too many people are using it. There you go, that's the Knowledge Bomb ADHD. I really hope that helped. Check out our merch, hts.today. We got the best of the best, cleanest, sustainable, organic, and it's beautiful stuff.